Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Hello, and thank you for joining us in this episode of Research in Specialty Pharmacy, the podcast where we chat with content matter experts about all things related to research, including fundamentals, best practices, and practical advice for all those interested in contributing to the advancement of knowledge. My name is Autumn Zuckerman, and I'm the Director of Health Outcomes and Research at Vanderbilt Specialty Pharmacy. And today, I will be chatting with Amanda Kibbins, who is also at Vanderbilt Specialty Pharmacy, about her recently completed study determining if pharmacists can improve adherence by providing patient-tailored interventions. Thank you for joining us. Amanda, would you like to introduce yourself and your practice? Yeah. Hi, Autumn. Thank you so much for that introduction. Again, my name is Amanda Kibbins, and I am a specialty pharmacist at Vanderbilt University Medical Center. I've been working with Vanderbilt since about 2018. I was drawn to Vanderbilt by their very unique specialty pharmacy setup. They have an integrated specialty pharmacy model where pharmacists work in the clinic with the providers to assist with medication selection and We provide counseling and monitoring and so forth. And so I was very drawn to that. So in 2018, I I joined their team. And since that time, I've been floating in different specialty clinics, everything from adult rheumatology to pediatric endocrinology, exploring a lot of the different specialty clinics. So that's pretty much my background with specialty. That's great. It sounds like you have a lot of experience across a lot of different areas of specialty pharmacy and have seen different clinics and how they practice. So tell us a little bit about the study idea, how it came about, and if you did any preliminary work, what that looked like. Sure. So leadership at our pharmacy really wanted to identify and address any gaps in care related to adherence in our population. And so our team did a retrospective chart review and looked at our patient population over the previous year and wanted to identify patients who had had a proportion of days covered of less than 80%. And we found that there were over a thousand patients in our pharmacy that had a PDC of less than 80%. And so we did a deeper dive to see, well, what is the reason these patients are not hitting our adherence threshold? And so we saw that a lot of these patients had what we considered reasons that could be addressed. And so we took that information and we thought, should we be focusing our efforts on this adherence for these patients? Let's just see. And so that kind of led into the the idea for this study, can pharmacists improve adherence? And if so, should it be a an individual pharmacist and or should it be incorporated into the clinic workflow? And there's still more to come on that, but that's sort of where the idea originated. That's great. So it was really kind of a strategic idea of wanting to understand what adherence looked like and if we could improve it. That's wonderful. So how did you approach designing this study to answer your research question? Well, that's actually one of the things I love most about this study. I feel like it was just an interesting process from the beginning. One of the things that we decided to do was to conduct a patient studio where we invited patients from the medical center to meet with us to discuss the study. We told them about the study, kind of some ideas that we had, and then we wanted their feedback. We wanted to know not only what they thought about our study, but specifically what were their reasons for missing doses of their medication? What did they think we could do? 
to help our patients. And so they had a lot of good ideas. And in addition to their ideas, we brought together a group of specialty pharmacists to conduct a focus group to see why their patients were missing doses, what interventions they provided that they found to be effective in their populations. And then kind of from both of those focus groups together, we developed what we're calling categories for reasons for non-adherence. And so there may be a lot of different specific things that patients would tell us, but we tried to break it down into categories to address. And so I really love that we had that patient interaction. It was one of the most rewarding parts of the study, honestly, and, and it was very insightful. I love that you were able to really engage patients to understand their own reasons for missed doses and what might be helpful for them. I think a lot of times as pharmacists, we think we know why patients miss doses and we have an idea, but that can be really different from what's actually going on at the patient level. So that's wonderful. You were able to, to engage patients like that. What are some of the reasons that they told you and, and what they thought might be most helpful? Well, some of the reasons that they told us they were not inherent were largely due to not understanding the role of the medication in their disease state. And so one of the things that they mentioned to me that honestly I found very surprising was that when they pick their medication up from the pharmacy, the um, paperwork that's often stapled to the bag or, or stuffed in the bag, they said 100% across the board, they all said they, they would read that information. And they said that it was very sometimes complicated and medical jargon that they didn't always understand, but they were just always trying to look to understand why they're taking the medication, the possible side effects. And so one of the takeaways from that group was how great would it be if we had a one-page plain language summary that told us everything we really wanted to know about this medication without having to try to filter through this complicated paperwork that's sometimes provided. And so we actually took that idea and we created what have termed medication education guides. And it's basically exactly what they wanted, a one-page plain language summary that answers the most frequently asked questions about each medication. We weren't able to make these for every medication that we dispense, but for the fast movers, it answered things like, why am I taking this medication? What will happen if I don't take it? How should I store it? And then we put a little blurb at the bottom about if you have any questions, specifically who you can call. And we put an, an actual pharmacist phone number there. So if you pick up the phone and call, you'll get the pharmacist who is an expert in that field. So that was one of the one of the things that we did based on their feedback. And then they also had a lot to add about the verbiage that we use when we speak to patients. I would commonly use the word non-adherent and they would say, please don't use the word non-adherent. Ask them what their barriers to adherence were. Just making every effort to not seem judgmental or like I'm coming down on them, but I'm there to foster good results with these medications. And so that's sort of the feeling that I wanted to put out. So I found it very interesting, the opinions they had about the words that I should use. And so I did incorporate that into, there's several several times where I'd have to reach out to patients with a semi-script of things I wanted to say. And I incorporated the words that they basically went through and whited out what I had and then just kind of put what they had. So it was very interesting to get their perspective on that. It, it is just like you said, sometimes you think you know, and then when you hear it from someone else, you're like, wow, that, that makes total sense. So we definitely incorporated those recommendations. Yeah, I think that the words we use that our language is so important for engagement and setting a level playing field and letting them know that you're there to support them and you're there for them and not not reprimand them. So that's that's great. Those plain language summaries sound like a really great resource I'm sure you're using moving forward. So after you had the feedback from patients and the pharmacists as well, how did you guys design the study? 
Well, we actually collaborated with a group within the medical center. They are the Vanderbilt Learning Healthcare System, and they're a wonderful group of folks who help to develop pragmatic, randomized trials to just kind of help incorporate it into a workflow. So it's not, it's not really like an outstanding thing outside of what you're doing. It's kind of incorporated into what you do daily. And so they were very helpful in helping us design our trial. And basically where we started was identifying non-inherent patients. And so to do that, we would run a query of the pharmacy claims database each day, and it would look for patients who had a PDC of less than 80% within the past four and 12 months. And then once those patients were identified, they would automatically be imported into our REDCap, which is a secure database where we were able to keep the patient information and then randomize patients. And so once the patients decided, yes, they've met the inclusion criteria, they filtered into my report in the REDCap, I would then look at each patient's electronic health records that would include their chart notes from their Vanderbilt providers. It would also include our pharmacy software. We have some internal software that we use every time we call a patient. We kind of keep up with what we talk about. I have access to all of those things. And so I was able to use all of that information to determine why a patient had missed their doses usually, and then kind of determine if they had met any of our exclusion criteria. So if the patient was going to discontinue therapy within the next eight months, for example, they would have been excluded from the study because there is an eight-month follow-up involved. And so once each patient had been enrolled, like I said, they were either randomized into a usual care or intervention arm. And those are randomized at a one-to-one on a basis of a one-to-one in each arm. And then they were stratified based on the clinic's historical rate of non-adherence. And so basically all that means is if they came from a clinic that had a high rate of non-adherence, they were put into a pool of of patients from other clinics that also had a high rate of non-adherence to kind of minimize the bias there so that we could compare apples to apples at the end of the day. And so patients in, in the usual care arm, they were basically just enrolled and then they were left alone. They were not followed up on at any point during the eight-month follow-up that was involved in the study. However, the intervention patients, they continued to receive usual care, but I would also contact them uh, usually via telephone and ask them a series of questions to kind of target their specific specific reason for non-adherence. And once that reason was identified, it was categorized, as I mentioned before, and then a patient-specific intervention was provided. So if the patient had mentioned, you know, they couldn't remember to take their doses, we would talk about memory aids for that. So once the patient-specific intervention was provided, then follow-up was done for eight months based on my availability and the need for the patient. So all of the follow-up was sort of at my discretion. Some patients just needed an intervention. They're pretty much, it pretty much helped and we followed up to make sure it helped and they're kind of a done deal. And then some folks needed much more frequent intervention. Some patients, one patient in particular wanted me to reach out every Friday to discuss the intervention. So it was highly dependent on each patient. And then at the end of eight months, the follow-up was discontinued. And we found it important to kind of do that, to kind of let it be at my discretion, because we really wanted this to be a trial that would be feasible for any specialty pharmacy. We didn't have a lot of rigid rules and protocols. It was basically left at my discretion. And we actually think that's a strength of the trial so that this could be done by others who wanted to reproduce these results. That sounds like a great, really strong study design and the fact that you were able to randomize patients and but still have a lot of pragmatism in your approach for the intervention of laying out here are some things that we're going to do, but also leaving it to your discretion, like you said, to allow for future feasibility. 
So did you do a pilot study? And if so, what were the learnings from that phase? We did do a pilot study and it was actually very interesting. I'll go back to what we said earlier, which is sometimes you just think you have it all figured out and then you kind of start to do it and you're like, wow, there's a lot of things that we can course correct here. And so we did a one month pilot. And when we started the study, we thought we would have a more, we would have a more structured type of follow-up. One of the things we found was actually reaching the patient was one of the more difficult things. And so I sort of adjusted my follow-up based on when I could reach the patient. And I'll explain that a little bit in a minute. But within that one month trial, we did everything just like we had planned. But what we found was we we actually did not have enough patients to to kind of keep the study going. And so originally we had set the PDC criteria for inclusion at a PDC of less than 80%. And we actually had to bump it up to less than 90% in order to get enough patients to reach the sample size that we needed. That was one of the changes that we had to make early on. Also it's no surprise that memory was a large factor in non-adherence. A lot of specialty medications are prescribed at odd intervals, like every two weeks or every four weeks or sometimes even every eight weeks. And so it's hard to just remember that or to incorporate it into like a daily routine. And so memory aids does become important in this group. And so finding the right memory aid for this population was it took a turn that I didn't expect. I fully expected just to, to recommend apps. A lot of the drugs have smartphone apps that you can download and, and it kind of helps you keep up with that. But they actually have very low ratings. And the patients that I spoke with were not very fond of these apps that are available. And so we sort of, um, through talking with patients, came up with empowering patients to keep up with their own reminders. And so pretty much every American has a smartphone. Usually it's an Android or an iPhone. So I basically educated myself on how to set up reminders on those. And then I would mail those instructions out to patients or go over it with them on the phone to help them set those up. And the mail outs had even included like pictures, you know, like click here and click there. And so it was very, very detailed, easy to follow instructions. So patients could set those up on their own phones. And then for patients who did have daily oral medications, we did also provide daily pill boxes. Those were the things that kind of were unexpected. I, I really thought it was going to be a little more straightforward. And then also we had to update our categories for reasons for non-adherence. I started having lots of conversations about social issues as reasons for non-adherence that I had not really anticipated in developing the study. And so we actually had to add social issues as a reason for non-adherence. That was sort of something I hadn't seen coming, but those are a few of the changes that we made. I feel like I've, I feel like there was probably more, but I feel like we learned so much from doing that pilot. I would highly recommend a pilot for any study that I would do moving forward because it was so insightful and I do feel like it contributed a great deal to the eventual final protocol. You've talked a little bit about some of the interventions that you did, like setting up the reminders, but can you describe the interventions that you performed during the study in a little bit more detail? Yes, absolutely. So as I mentioned previously, each intervention patient was contacted and asked a series of questions to find out their specific reason for non-adherence. And then based on that reason, we would provide an intervention. And so just sort of a high level overview, I feel like most, I think 60% of our patients had memory as a reason for non-adherence. And we kind of talked about that in the last one. Mostly, most of our patients have injectable medications. And so I feel like the probably the most popular intervention was the electronic reminders that we just talked about. And then sometimes the daily pill boxes, but also just follow up. So a large portion of our patients had what we deemed 
unreachable as a reason for non-adherence. And that's just the term that we're using for they were unreachable for providing necessary documents or necessary appointments or just whatever was necessary to maintain their refills. They weren't reaching that goal. So I would often call patients just to let them know, hey, you need labs or you've had labs, but they've not been faxed to the specialist or let me help you coordinate labs. Here's a list of labs that are near your home. So go here and get these done and have them faxed to this number. Just little things like that to help patients stay on top of things. We don't really think about... I think as pharmacists, we only think about the prescription from the time it reaches the pharmacy, but sometimes patients need help getting what they need to get that prescription to the pharmacy. So backing up that process a little bit and making sure there's everything in place for the doctor to be able to write that prescription, just kind of helping patients coordinate those things was, I feel like a very impactful intervention that we made. And then honestly, just closely following these patients. I mean, I feel like with our high touch process, we are already following these patients pretty closely, but I'm just basically going the extra mile to provide an extra phone call to say, hey, you still haven't scheduled your medication. What day works best for you? Let's get this set up and let's get it mailed out to you. And I really just feel like that extra time, that extra high touch really made all the difference. And we'll talk more about the results later, but I feel like those those are the most impactful interventions that I think really kind of went the longest with our with our population. Well, it sounds like you did a lot of different things and, and really tailored your in- interventions based on the patient-specific problem. And so I think that that's really important. So can you tell us about your study findings? Yes, absolutely. So the most exciting part was we did find increased adherence in our intervention arm. So our primary outcome that we were looking for is once we had provided the intervention, we were going to follow patients up for eight months. And so we wanted to look at the intervention and control PDC at enrollment. And then look at it again eight months later after eight months of follow-up. And our hope was that the intervention arm would be at least 5% higher than the usual care arm to demonstrate that there was an impact from interventions. And so at baseline, the intervention arm had an 87% adherence rate versus 86% in usual care which were both pretty high to begin with. But what we found was that after eight months of intervention and follow-up, the intervention arm was 1.8 times more likely to have a higher PDC than the usual care arm. So we were thrilled to see that these results did, that these interventions did provide results. And, and we hope that we can continue to implement this in our population to keep those results high. But in addition to that eight-month primary outcome, we also looked at, did intervention patients have a higher adherence at six months, which, you know, obviously all things we want to work as quickly as possible, but, you know, at what point is is too soon? But we did actually find a statistically significant increase in the intervention arm adherence over the um, usual care arm at six months. Also, importantly, we wondered, well, once we have stopped follow-up, are these interventions going to continue to be impactful or are these PDCs just going to drop back off? And so at 12 months, which is four months after any follow-up, we did find, again, still a statistically significant difference in adherence between the intervention and unusual care arm. So we're very excited that these results panned out the way that they did. Once we got the results, though, we really wanted to do a deeper dive into, well, well, this is fantastic, but can we target our interventions, you know, even more specifically to those who might be most impacted? And so we we looked at, out of all of the reasons for non-adherence among our patients, which ones had the greatest improvement in adherence? And so patients reporting memory and being unreachable for refills and those unresponsive, the ones who didn't have the doctor's appointment 
scheduled or didn't have the labs that they needed, those seem to be the patients who had the highest increase in adherence with the interventions provided. And so if you did have a specialty pharmacy out there who wanted to provide these services, but they just don't have the manpower or they really need to target for whatever reason, this would be the population to target. Those who have reported that they're not adherent due to having memory issues, you're not able to reach them, or maybe they're just having a little trouble getting the labs and follow-up that they need. So just providing that extra high-touch service to just even that group would be would go a long way according to our results. We did also look at which clinics responded the most to the interventions. And so at Vanderbilt, we have a whole host of clinics we talked about a little bit. We have the rheumatology and endocrinology. And so we broke it down by clinic to look at, was there one clinic that responded more than another? And we did find that our pediatric population um, and our adult rheumatology population tended to have the most robust response to the interventions provided. And so that would be another way that you could easily target a specific population if you kind of wanted to, to narrow it down a little bit more. So those were kind of the exciting things that we found. I feel like we started big and we found results that improved adherence among the whole population. And then we just kind of wanted to break it down a little bit more and see if we needed to target a population, who would it be? And so we just kind of did an exploratory analysis to, to kind of find that out. So all very exciting stuff. And we're very pleased to, to see the results that we did. Yes, it is very exciting results. And I'm sure all of your hard work and interventions, it was great to see a significant difference at six, eight, and 12 months in the intervention arm that really shows the effectiveness of, of the work that you did. So how does Vanderbilt Specialty Pharmacy plan to use these findings? So the Vanderbilt Specialty Pharmacy plans to use these findings by adding an extra adherence person to our to our workflow. We're still trying to figure out the best way to move forward with these results. I feel like one of the questions is, do you have an independent person do it or do you incorporate it into your workflow? And so for now, we are moving forward with just having an independent person who will kind of work these patients. We have created a dashboard to identify non-adherent patients. And I really feel like that was the hardest part of the study, or at least the most work intensive. Once the patients were identified, providing the interventions was actually not that labor intensive, but identifying patients does seem to be sort of the rate limiting step for this. And so we have worked and we're continuing to work with our IT team to develop a very efficient dashboard for identifying patients who are truly not adherent. In our case, we're having a pharmacy technician follow up on these patients and provide the type of intervention that we described. It's still kind of in progress. And so we'll have to see how that turns out. But I'm very excited. It's very exciting when you can use findings from your own study to implement into your own organization. I really think that this is going to be great. Right now, we're just still, we're still working out some of the kinks, but I think it's going to be a great addition to our already high-touch service. Yeah. And I think that you show that there's benefit in adding additional services onto a population that was already at baseline, there's a high adherence rate, but these additional services were really effective in continuing to move the needle towards more adherence. So that's wonderful. We look forward to seeing who that dedicated resource is and, and how that plays out. But I know you've done a lot of legwork to make sure that this work continues to impact patients. Our last kind of question for you would be, how can health system specialty pharmacies use the findings of your research? 
Well, I hope that specialty pharmacies will use the findings of our research to incorporate these type of adherence interventions into their everyday workflow. As I mentioned previously, once you've identified the patient, the hard work is over. I feel like implementing a process for interventions is a very doable doable thing, and clearly it, it has results when you do it. And so I think that some of the steps that specialty pharmacies could take to minimize the impact to their already probably busy workflow is to target patients who have the biggest need. And in our population, I think those unresponsive patients who needed that follow-up lab or that follow-up appointment scheduled, I think that would be a great place to focus your efforts. And then also, consider a dedicated resource. I do feel like it could be implemented into the workflow, especially if you're doing a very specific targeted population. But if you have the ability to dedicate a resource, I think that's where you're going to get the most impact from providing it. Someone whose sole purpose is to understand these patients' reasons for non-adherence and to take the time to find the best resource. And I will say, as someone who did this for, for quite some time, not everything was super straightforward and not everything kind of fell under the purview of a pharmacist. And so there was a lot of legwork that did have to, or I shouldn't say a lot of legwork, a lot of coordination that sometimes had to go into, who do I reach out to for this? And who do I reach out to for this? And if you just have one person who has all of those contacts at their fingertips, I just feel like it's it might be a more efficient process. But again, I think it's doable either way. But I do think providing a dedicated resource would be a wonderful way to increase the patient experience and to help patients get the the most from their medications and, and hopefully positive clinical outcomes from their medications. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of your insights, Amanda. You did a great job really providing some effective interventions to improve adherence in the specialty pharmacy population. I just want to close out with a few pearls that I think that I heard from what you've shared with us today. It sounds like it can be really effective to do a prospective randomized research when you're adding any new services that are not standard of care. So I'd also encourage health system specialty pharmacies, if you have a research question and and you maybe want to add a new service line that you're not currently doing, if it's an option to randomize patients or even do a crossover study to provide that new service to just half of the population, So you can really see like we're able to, in this study, cause and effect of that new intervention. I think that made this study really strong. And then as you said, Amanda, a pilot study was really important to refine the intervention and data collection procedures and the interventions that you wanted to perform. And of course, engaging patients, as you mentioned in the beginning, including them in your study design and your overall throughput of the study of how you're going to use the study findings, I think is really important and something we should continue to do in practice. Well, that's all the time we have for today. So thank you, Dr. Kibbins, for joining us to discuss how a patient-tailored adherence service significantly improved adherence rates in a health system specialty pharmacy. If you haven't before, I encourage you all to check out ASHP and the ASHP's foundation research resources. You can find member-exclusive offerings such as the Specialty Pharmacy Resource Center, Specialty Pharmacy Best Practices Recorded Webinars, and the Specialty Pharmacy Outcomes Literature Library, and much more. Thanks again for tuning in for this session of Research in Specialty Pharmacy, and we hope you enjoyed today's conversation, and be sure to subscribe to the ASHP official podcast for more great content from ASHP. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes 
access show notes and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.